0: Here we are, here and now, in this place, made holy by our presence and our intention. May we simply be here, be present, be kind, and be at peace. This is in part a Buddhist sentiment. We Unitarian Universalists have the incredible privilege of having religious freedom. There is nothing you have to believe except what conscience and integrity demand of you. We have the religious freedom to choose Buddhism or Christianity or Hinduism or existentialism and humanism, Judaism, Taoism, or just plain Unitarian Universalism. This is us. Our way is the way of seeking and religious freedom. We Unitarian Universalists have had a long history of a relationship with Buddhism. It is one of the great religions of the world, and we have been fascinated with Buddhism as a movement, Unitarian and Universalist, from as early as 1844 when Elizabeth Palmer Peabody published an anonymous rendition of the Lotus Sutra in the Transcendentalist Dial. Of the Transcendentalist Club, 24 members of them, 20 of them were Unitarian and Unitarian ministers most. The American Transcendentalist movement is about us, and part of what makes it exciting to me is their fascination with Buddhism the first publication of a Buddhist text in English in the world was in the Transcendentalist dial, you could say, Our Magazine, in 1844. It was attributed to Henry David Thoreau. It wasn't him. (laughs) But because it sounded like it could have been him, therefore it probably was him, and therefore we became enamored of Buddhism as a movement. There has been a history of some early inaccuracy. Ralph Waldo Emerson said that Hinduism and Buddhism were essentially one and quoted Hinduism and Buddhism as if they were one when in fact they are not. But they are very much like Judaism and Christianity and there are an awful lot of people who simply call it the Old Testament rather than Hebrew scriptures and that confusion is ongoing between Christianity And Judaism between Buddhism and Hinduism. James Freeman Clark was also a member of the Transcendentalist Club along with Emerson, Thoreau, Fuller, Peabody, and others. He was a parish minister who also studied world religions and wrote one of the first books about world religions, which included a fair amount of inaccuracy about Buddhism. But the idea that we could explore the great religions of the world and have it be meaningful to us begins in our movement as early as the middle of the 19th century. We became increasingly accurate in our understanding of Buddhism and it began to be more and more a part of many of our congregations. At this moment, the Unitarian Universalist Buddhist Fellowship claims that over 150 of our congregations have active Buddhist groups meeting in their churches. Claiming to be both Buddhist and Unitarian Universalist. I'm in part Unitarian Universalist because I love the Transcendentalists and I like religious freedom and I'm a hyphenated UU. I'm, I'm Unitarian Universalist and existentialist. I'm Unitarian Universalist and Buddhist, Zen particularly. I'm Unitarian Universalist and Christian and don't cringe. <laughs> and also Christian. And I'm free to be all of those things. As a part of my Buddhist practice, and I sit meditation twice a day most days, I went to the Green Gold Zen Center just north of San Francisco, a Zen farm, organic farm, and spent a week sitting in meditation with the monks. It was, it was one of the most beautiful weeks of my life. I was having lunch with the group, and you start for 10 minutes of silence, And after 10 minutes of just being present to the food, just tasting the food as meditation, just being in the moment, then you're free to chat. And so I got to talking to one of the guys, an English chap, if you will, who says, well, you know, what do you do? Well, I'm I'm a retired Unitarian minister. Oh, you mean Unitarian Universalist minister, he says to me? I think, uh-oh. <laughs> Usually I say Unitarian because it's the shorthand. and I can. It's like people who don't know and don't care. I'll just throw it out there. Aren't you a Unitarian Universalist minister? Oh, Lord. Yes, actually, I am. He said, well, I'm so pleased to know that one of the people who is one of the most important writers about Zen Buddhism currently writing... Is Ishmael Ford, James Ishmael Ford, a Unitarian Universalist minister, and his writing is the best writing currently being written about the nature of liberal and progressive vision of liberal Buddhism. It's like, say what, man? Not only, not only does he know that I'm a Unitarian Universalist minister and has it right, he knows one of my colleagues better than I do. <laughs> I'm, I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> But I mention it in part because one of the most important people writing about Zen Buddhism is a Unitarian Universalist minister, an authorized Zen practitioner who has students that he authorizes to teach Zen, and also now recently retired Unitarian Universalist minister. It is a part of our tradition and our history. In part of it is about mindfulness, and my understanding is that your theme for the month is mindfulness. One of my teachers, one of the people I read is Robert Aitken, who says that uh, when it comes to Zen Buddhism, there's, o- there's only one thing that really matters, is that you meditate, that you practice meditation. All the rest of it falls away. The point of meditation is to be present to the moment, to be mindful, to be present to the moment, to breathe in and to breathe out and to become present. I like when I do my meditation to do breath counting. Some people have mantras or sayings or phrases or some people try meditating on nothingness very hard. Some people meditate on their forehead or on their breath. I count my breath in and out to 10. What I find is that sometimes I'm counting 21, 22, 20. How in the heck did I get out into the 20s? And I, it's okay. I start again. (sighs) One in, out, two. And sometimes I get, it's like, oh, I've got it backwards. I'm going out on even, and I'm supposed to be going out on odd. and, And then I... Let it go, and I start on one and begin again. I like it in part because, you know, that's a lot like my life. How did I lose track so badly and wind up over there? No problem. Breathe. Start again. Gee, I didn't even get to ten. I didn't get to where I intended to be, but that's all right. None of us usually does. (laughs) and we just simply breathe and begin again. How many of you have ever done breath counting before today? Just have a sense. Yeah, I'm I'm preaching to the choir. (laughs) (laughs) The legend about Buddha says that he began, because it was simply a cultural practice, to practice meditation. Meditation by saying a mantra, meditating by saying a mantra, or focusing on a flower, or focusing on a flame. that it increased his sense of calmness and peace. But this was before he became Buddha. As he was doing his meditation and meditating on various things and found that he was able to do that and become peaceful, he saw an enormous amount of suffering around him. And even though he was peaceful... Other people seemed to be suffering enormously, and he had trouble reconciling his sense of kindness and peace with the amount of suffering and pain he saw in the world. And then he began to meditate on his own thinking about it, and then began to meditate on his own thinking and mood and emotional processes, and began to think of himself as a body, nerves and bones and blood, thinking and then therefore consciousness, began to think about consciousness and realized that all of it was incredibly temporary and decided that that was okay. That moment of realizing that the very being that he was was temporal was his breakthrough that's called enlightenment. None of it is anything, all of it a moment and in the moment gone, all of us. And in that moment, he said, I think I have got it. And the next 45 years, he went around teaching people about what it meant to live in the world and to not have attachment to outcome, not to have attachment to who we are, but to simply be present to it in the moment. Somebody asked him, well, How can you live with life being so incredibly temporal? And he said, well, you know, it's a little like my favorite glass. I fill it with water, and I sip from the glass, and I love the glass. It's my favorite glass, but I know that at some point, I will probably hit it with an elbow and knock it down, and it will break. And even though now it's my favorite glass, I know it's already gone. And therefore, I love it in the moment because it's still here in the moment. And so it is for all of our lives and for each of us. Not just the glass. I look at you and you're here. I was here a number of years ago and a whole lot of you weren't. I tell you, you're already gone. But we're here in the moment. This moment. Buddhism is divided into three parts. Ethics, wisdom, and mindfulness. I like the ethics part. I like the fact that Buddhism is non-theistic. Don't hear atheistic. Non-theistic. It doesn't talk about it. It talks about... Right speech, saying things that are helpful, not harmful, not cursing others. (laughs) You know, as a minister, people say, well, you don't ever tell dirty jokes, do you? (laughs) Well, no, I never tell them, (laughs) except occasionally. (laughs) And the Buddhist practice is to not cause harm. And so whatever it is that we do with our work, with our life energy, with our... I've said once from this pulpit, anytime the church talks about sexuality, it's almost always wrong. But the Buddha say, honor your commitments, honor the commitments of others, and don't cause harm with your sexuality whole lot better than Paul who says hate your body and hate anyone who's sexual and if you can't stand it get married (laughs) (laughs) I prefer the Buddhist perspective (laughs) the wisdom piece of this trinity can be summed up as simply be present in the moment accept the world as it is Accept a world not as you imagine it, not as you want it to be, not as it was once, not living in the future or in the past, but simply as it is. What well, Buddhists, Buddhists call this suchness, such as it is. One of my favorite poets, Galway Cannell, says it this way: Whatever what is, is is what I want, not more, but that. I like Buddhism because it tells stories. And I was determined to tell you the story of the lucky farmer whose horse goes off and finds another horse, and the horse comes back, and the farmers' neighbors all say, well, it's a wonderful thing this horse has come to you. And he says, well, maybe it isn't. Maybe it is. It's too soon to tell. You know the story. I could tell it again, but you already know it. That's the upside. It's about not having judgment about whether the outcome will be good or bad, but simply taking it as it is. I have another story a little like that on the downside. A lot of Buddhist stories talk about somebody rowing a boat in the river. Well, there's a man rowing the boat in the river and in order to row you have to, you know, face backwards and row upstream so that you're facing the stern of the boat as the bow of the boat goes up the river and you have to glance over your shoulder every once in a while to see where you're going. You've rowed a boat. You've rowed a boat before. So he's rowing the boat and all of a sudden, whammo, he feels some Something's, some fool in a boat has come downstream and run into him it's so much easier to go downstream you, you face forward you simply use the oars as a rudder to kind of direct you how could he possibly idiot have run into me in the middle of the river when I'm working hard to go upstream and he goes scampering to the front of the boat to see the damage this idiot has done and discovers the boat is empty It simply come loose from its mooring and is floating down the river, and it wasn't some idiot that he was about to curse. It was just an empty boat. No one did it to him. (laughs) He was sure somebody had done it to him, aren't we always? (laughs) Must be somebody else's fault, and by God I'll give him a piece of my mind. How about you? And the metaphor is no, it's not someone's fault it just is and often is not it's a blessing the point of meditation is to be calm and to be present and experience the centering quality of it as it slows your neurological metabolism and to practice meditation and to practice kindness kindness And to practice simply being present. But I'm also a Unitarian Universalist. And this rigor of practicing every day. You know, there there are days I don't want to bother, you know. Every day, twice a day. hmm, Reminds me of of another Buddhist story. There was a woman who practiced calling Buddha's name... A thousand times, three times a day, she would call out homage to the Buddha, homage to the Buddha, Namo Buddha, Namo Buddha. She would drum and drum and chant and chant for an hour, three times a day. She did it for ten years. And she was kind of a mean and wiry and cynical and difficult human being, but by God, she never failed to meditate. One of her friends wondering why it was that after 10 years of meditation, there had been so little change in her personality. <laughs> in the spirit of Zen, he decided he would help her. And so when he realized from the drumming she was in the middle of her meditation and chanting, he went to the front door. <laughs> Mrs. Nguyen, Mrs. Nguyen, Mrs. Nguyen. Not wanting to be deterred from her practice that she is dedicated to doing, she continued to drum even louder and even harder. She called out the name of the Buddha and called out the name of the Buddha. Even louder, her neighbor who cared about her knocked on the door. Mrs. New Ying, Mrs. New Ying, Mrs. New Ying. Will that idiot simply go away from my door? She was ready to jump up and curse him. She threw her drum down and she ran to the door. What is wrong with you, my neighbor? Kindness and love, right? (laughs) I have been calling out Buddha's name and you've interrupted me. Yes, you've been calling out Buddha's name for 10 years. I've been calling your name out for five minutes. And it's made you this angry. Imagine how Buddha and the universe has responded. (laughs) I know people who pray an awful lot like Mrs. New Ying, And I think that God goes, come on, give it a break. <laughs> and knowing that we are Unitarian Universalists and too much exactness and too much stress on practice and too much ramming it down our throats. But remember the neighbor. It's not about doing it forever and every day never missing. It's about doing it well. Being fully present in kindness, in peace, in centering, in love. This day is a gift. What a day. What a day. This moment, and we sang to each other, let us be centered and kind that peace may come. What a freedom we have in our movement to discover religion and truth wherever we find it. This is a gift this day. Indeed, I believe it is so.